Have you been searching for a community that gets it? Join me, your host, Monique, as we get real about the emotional, physical, mental, and spiritual effects infertility has on its victims. Let's connect and heal together. I am one in eight, too. Thank you so much, friend, for tuning into Infertility and Me podcast. I am your host, Monique. And if this is your very first time listening to the podcast, welcome, welcome, welcome. Infertility and Me pod emphasizes the emotional, mental, and spiritual healing along your path to parenthood, where we connect and heal together. A few quick announcements before we begin today's bonus episode number eight. If you could do me the honor of leaving a five-star review and feedback for the podcast, I will be so, so honored and it will help to spread the message of connecting and healing together through infertility awareness and advocacy. If you'd like to have a question, comment, or feedback featured on the podcast, text 443-569-0642. Again, that number is 443 443- Five six nine zero six four two. If you'd like to support the podcast, click below where it says support podcast in today's show notes. If you'd like to order your own exclusive merch made by me personally, Infertility and Me podcast merch, you can click the link below to purchase your mug that says Dear Future Baby, We're Ready. I have another mug that says Dear Infertility. I am no longer scared of you. I also have phone cases for the men and it says men need healing too. I will be adding more things as the distribution center adds more items back to their website because of COVID right now. Get your merch, support the podcast, text me your comments, questions, and feedback so we can further engage and also help one another out. Today's episode features Amanda. Amanda was on the show when I first, first began within the first five episodes. She was one of my first guests and her episode is called It's Okay to Be Angry if you'd like to go back and listen to that episode. But today, Amanda is back on for a bonus episode to let us know where she is in her journey and what she's been up to these last seven months. Here's Amanda. Thank you. I'm happy to... I'm happy to talk with you again. Amanda, real quickly, just give us um, the rundown for those who may have heard the first episode yet from It's Okay to Be Angry about your diagnosis. Yeah. So my husband and I started trying to conceive in January of 2018, and we hit uh, speed bump after speed bump with trying Clomid and eventually leading to our infertility diagnosis of um, bilateral tubal blockage with hydrosalpinx, which is the fancy way of saying that my tubes were blocked and full of toxic fluid. And we, the last time we spoke, we were about to have surgery and so much has changed since then. I know. So tell us about those, those, those changes and where you guys are now. We had surgery in November of last year to, we went in with two options to either repair the tubes or to permanently block them at the uterus, which is required for hydrosalpinx. It has to be repaired or it's toxic to the embryo. So we were very surprised coming out of surgery to find out that I was able to have one tube repaired. 
Mm. And that one was uh, fused to my colon and so badly damaged that nothing could be done to it. But it gave us a 28% chance to conceive with IUI. So those were numbers we had never heard before. We went from having a 0% to 28%. And we chose to proceed with one stim intercourse cycle, Mm -hmm. which was my first round of shots, which is a game changer. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then uh, we did two stimmed IUIs after that. Um, Unfortunately, both were unsuccessful. So where, so was the last one, it was during COVID, right? Since COVID has begun? Yes. um, Unfortunately, our last IUI went into, our two-week wait went into COVID. And so we had planned to do another IUI and um, all of El Paso shut down. So we were not able to, which I think, I, you know, the, the silver lining is that it really pushed us to look um, to IVF, which it needed to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where we are now. We should be starting IVF um, August or September, as okay. long as uh, the, I have to do another HSG test, right. which to anyone that's ever had tubal issues knows is the, <laughs> yeah. the end all for that. So as long as my tube is either blocked or still open, um, I can proceed with IVF. As long as there's no hydrosal pinks fluid buildup again, then I don't have to have surgery and we can move right to it. Yes. Well, I'm hoping and, and, and really praying for you guys that everything is clear, good to go, and you can move forward with your first IVF cycle um, later this summer. So that'd be amazing to be able to not have to have, you know, another surgery before um, IVF and all the stress that comes along with that. So tell me, Amanda, and tell us how you have been coping and what tools you are using now to help you along your journey and just freaking trying to stay sane, man. Yes. Yeah. We, um, when COVID happened, it was a huge hit to us. Um, we were told with our tubal surgery that the um, the lifespan of our tube being open and even possibility of it being successful was three to six months. So we felt really robbed of the opportunity to proceed with another IUI or a fourth IUI. And that's where we really had to start looking to what is next? How do we recover from this? I think for all of us, there was a financial impact, the unknown of when we would ever be able to start normal life again, as especially even treatments. And so we actually started an Etsy shop as a way to fundraise. We we are self pay. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> we've been self pay. Been, been there. Yep. yep. Yeah, and we were self pay all last year too, and. So we decided to start an Etsy shop and I think probably 80% of it was just being able to keep busy. I think the hardest part for us was feeling like we were just doing nothing. And it took a while to even doing the crafts and everything to overcome that feeling of just being stagnant. Mm-hmm. And um, we're lucky that we got a lot of support from our friends and family. And it's, it's you know, one step at a time helping us get to our new goal, which is the IVF fund. But it helped. It gave us hope and allowed us to feel like we were positively changing our situation, which is about the only way to stay sane. I can only clean the house so much. Yeah, yeah. I painted everything. I was about to lose my mind. <laughs> 
I'm telling you, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I can totally resonate with that, even though I'm not in the middle of any fertility treatments. Um, and, and even though I work from home, it's still like, you know, not having that option of being able to go out as I please, wherever I please at the moment that I choose to, you know, and um, having to wait so long to go see my mom and dad. I'm sure you guys can feel the same way about your family members that live close by too. It's like just being able to be around each other freely and not have to have a second guess. Well, I wonder who they've been around this week, you know, and then preparing your body for fertility treatments and stuff going into um, the, the end of the summer and beginning of the fall season. So in, in what kind of ways have you guys been working together as a couple other than you guys' Etsy shop and also your other campaigns when you sell your t-shirts and things like that. So how have you guys been using COVID as a way to reconnect and, and just focus on your relationship a little bit more? Yeah, I think that was um, a very critical part is we took that time to really work on some aspects that maybe had become forgotten in all of this. I'm, I mean, in the last two and a half years, it's been nonstop infertility treatments or waiting for treatments. And so even though the waiting was awful, it was nice to have a beer and relax and the things that we weren't doing before. Um, we really took the time to look at our finances, talk about details that we had never had time before. And I think that was the most positive, using that time to really focus on each other and all of the things that we had neglected, which inevitably get neglected when your life is consumed by infertility, everything. And yeah, it's brought us closer. I think it prepped us emotionally for IVF, which we did not expect to be starting so soon. We're very thankful, but we didn't expect it. And so, yeah, we're ready, yeah. emotionally together ready, which is yeah. the most important part. And so do you feel like going into IVF? Because I, I just heard you say that, you know, it was unexpected. And I feel like you're, you're saying that it was unexpected even after having your, um, your procedures to have a good look at your, your, your tubes and such. Was the unexpectedness because you, you felt like IUI was going to be the thing? I think it's a weird combination of we really thought the IUIs would work, but we also really didn't think that they would work. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of weird how you are almost on both sides of the fence where we also expected to have uh, a lot worse information. I think you become groomed to expect bad news. And when we were told that nothing was standing in our way other than the dye test, which will happen at the end of next month. Um, and we have to you know, choose to stay positive about what that outcome will be. But we expected they would say, we're booked up. You have to redo your blood work. Your BMI is too high. Something would be standing in the way because that's how we've lived <laughs> for so long. And I think we're still processing that it went well. And they told us that we could start as soon as the dye test was cleared. I think you brought up something really interesting because when you said that your expectation is kind of coming from a place of there always being something blocking your way. And then this time it's kind of like almost smooth sailing, really going into IVF. I think that's, I think that's really, really uh, an interesting point of view that you brought up. And um, I'd like to get more of your thoughts on how infertility 
robs you of being optimistic. Yes. And it's, it's funny that you bring that up because I had uh, a conversation with my sister-in-law a few days ago about, about how infertility makes you, you're constantly seeking a new hope. Mm -hmm. You have disappointment and that hope is robbed from you. So you up the ante and then you're struggling to reach a new hope, a different hope. And I explained to her that even though we're so excited to go to IVF, it's also kind of marking one thing off the list where we're closer to success, but we're also closer to failure. Mm-hmm. And even though I don't want to think that way, you can't stop yourself. And it does. It robs you of that optimism that things will improve, that you will get good news. Mm-hmm. I remember coming out of surgery and my husband telling me, that they were able to repair one of my tubes. And I didn't even say it to any other person until after my pre-appointment, or sorry, post-appointment, because I did not believe that a possibility was available for us because we had never had that. And I feel the same way now. Every day since my consultation, I've gone over and over all of the possibilities, trying to financially plan for all of the what-ifs. And in a moment where I should be able to be really over the moon happy, instead I'm just thinking about all the things that are going to go wrong. And it is incredibly unfair that you become groomed to just think that the worst thing is going to happen. And that even when you get news that's you know, positive, there's nothing wrong. Mm -hmm. And you ask the questions a million times and they're all good. You still are dead set on the idea that something is going to go wrong. And I think especially with the the dye test coming soon, Mm -hmm. that's what we've chosen to focus on that could go wrong. And yeah, it sucks because never before infertility did did I feel that way or think that way. Yeah. You know, and, and it does, it puts you in a place where you, it's hard to get out of. Mm-hmm. I agree. I totally agree. And I have so many questions, but <laughs> I don't want to <laughs> overwhelm you at one time. Oh, you're but fine. I, when did when did you accept the positive news? The positive news of only needing, you know, only having the one tube that was damaged and that the other one was okay. And when did you accept that positive news of possibly going into IVF with nothing having to be done in between, but you just preparing your your heart, your mind, and your spirit self? I don't know that I have. Okay. I don't know that it will go, I don't know that it ever goes away. When when we got the news about our tube in November, um, hearing that 28% chance, even though extremely low to anyone else's standards, it was so high. And I think we immediately went into our STEM cycle in December and going into the next two IUIs, we didn't believe that it would work, but we did. It was never accepting. We never gave ourselves time to be happy about it Mm. because we were ready to pursue treatment as soon as possible to put it to the test. And now looking back, kind of sit with the what ifs, you know, maybe I shouldn't have chosen to have the tube repaired. Maybe I should have just blocked the tubes and moved on to IVF then and save all this money and emotions and I'd be pregnant by now. And that is the un- another unfortunate part is that it's kind of the damned if you do, damned if you don't. Mm-hmm. I Until I have 
a, a viable pregnancy. I will never be happy with the choices that I, and that's terrible mentally, that pressure that you put on yourself to know what's going to work when no one has any idea. And especially now moving forward, IVF, we definitely have not accepted the positive. Um, I don't think we'll let ourselves, I don't think we'll let our guard down until after the dye test. Um, Because after the dye test, other than finances, which Mm -hmm. we're going to be launching another fundraiser soon, um, just kind of putting it all out there for anybody to, to help. But until then... And there's truly nothing. All the what ifs are gone. I don't know what we will think. What do you what do you think when there's no more what ifs to worry about? I guess we'll find new ones. We'll start worrying about all the details of IVF and all those things that could go wrong. But it sucks. It's it's really unfair that infertility makes you permanently pessimistic, even when you're dying to be optimistic in any way, even when you have good news. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I think that, like you said, it's all about trying to find that healthy, healthy balance, you know, and I think that balance is not necessarily, you know, 50% of the time I'm feeling this way and 50% of the time I'm feeling that way. I feel like balance is acknowledged. How do you feel about that? Just being able to acknowledge that you have both sides of these feelings strong. Oh, absolutely. I think when I first started my Instagram account, I was in a dark place where the only person I was talking to was my husband and he can only hear so much. I mean, he doesn't have the answers just as much as I don't and we're in it together. So we're kind of sitting together in our suffering and opening the Instagram account really allowed me to feel my feelings. Mm-hmm. And even in that, I looked back the other day at my first post and I wasn't sharing my true emotions until months in when I felt comfortable. And now that we're being more forward with our family about the, you know, the really difficult details, Mm -hmm. I feel more empowered. It doesn't make my situation better. It doesn't make me mentally better, but it allows me to deal with those feelings so then I can process them. And that's something I didn't do for a very long time. And I tried the, you know, blindly optimistic Amanda, and then I tried the everything sucks and nothing will ever get better Amanda, and realized that it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to be angry, like what I talked about in our last podcast, and it's okay to be happy about those moments, mm-hmm. too. You have to allow yourself to feel whatever it is that you may feel. I think as a woman, you are already expected to maintain yourself in a certain way. As an infertile woman, you're supposed to also maintain yourself in a certain way. And that's, that's impossible. It's wrong. We are truly dealing with insane emotions, insane disappointment and loss and grief and guilt. And a lot of things I never thought would go with infertility. And you can't pretend that it's not okay because if you're feeling it, it's okay. And I, it just acknowledging that it sucks, but sometimes it's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's an excellent point. Yeah, you can't pretend. Yeah, you definitely can't. And so tell me how you and your husband working together on your Etsy shop. I know you mentioned it before, but tell us a little bit more about how the Etsy shop has really been a driving force for 
keeping yourself with moments of peace and possibly continuing you guys' further healing leading up to your IVF and just trying to stay in control of the controllables. Right. It definitely forced us to take time away from obsessing and worrying and you know, kind of zen out and do our own little projects. And my husband loves to paint and he was able to take time for himself to just sit and paint and create something and be really proud about it. I mean, it was equally as many hours being mad because it didn't work or, (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, struggling to get it right. But it took our mind off of all of the worries, not only for infertility, but in for COVID. We were not just sitting around idly and worrying about the state of the world. And I made earrings and bracelets and it was so nice to sit down for hours and just kind of zone out and do your thing. And then at the end, have something that you're really proud of, that you feel good about. And that was really important to us with, we make organic soaps. We try to use naturally sourced, locally sourced items um, because we wanted to feel really good about what we were doing. We, of course, wanted to make money, which was the number one goal. We're trying to pay for a baby, but we wanted to stay true to who we are. You know, my husband always said, I want people to look at what we're selling and be able to imagine who we are and what our life looks like. And so staying really true to the natural aspect, completely handmade, gave us a really important sense of purpose. It gave us standards. It gave us just just a lot of really important parts to being able to chill out as best you can and make something that you're proud of. Make something out of, uh, be able to take all those emotions, put them into something that's beautiful and that someone else will think is beautiful too. And I think that's been a really important part of it is seeing people get the things they're buying from us, seeing them be really happy and knowing that I took my grief and sadness and changed that into something that brought so much positivity to somebody else. It really, we're really thankful that we did it and did it together because it's, a a big sense of pride for both of us. Yeah. And isn't it funny how when we are doing something for other people, it makes us feel better about our own situation? Yes. Yeah. You know, I had always seen in the community different projects that people were doing. And I always thought like, oh, I wish I could do that. It makes me, you know, they're so inspiring that they're able to take their time and really do something that could give back in such a way. I mean, I can think of, I mean, yourself included, uh, Outlets allowing people to be happy and to talk. And mm-hmm. so it made me, yeah, it was like, why did I wait so long to do this? I always doubted that I would have time or that I would be able to create anything that was positive. And I have chosen to believe that infertility at least gave me that one positive thing <laughs> that it forced me financially to feel like I needed to do something. Mm-hmm. and in turn has given me that same feeling, that great feeling when you do something or give something to someone else and it makes them happy. I mean, obviously they're paying for it, but it's still, everyone's happy. Yeah, <laughs> everyone becomes yeah, happy at the yeah. end of it. This is, we've finally turned it into something that he feels good about, which 
the unsung heroes a lot of the time are our other counterparts, whether it be our spouses or husbands or partners, because he has expressed so many times that he feels helpless, that he is not the one going through it. And him allowing not only to kind of let his guard down and be able to accept monetary gifts for what we're producing is him feeling like he's involved in it, which he, I mean, he does the majority of the, of the work. I am far less artistic than he is, (laughs) but yeah, just being able to let go of the guilt and just feeling good about the exchange that you're having, you know, you're doing a service for someone else and they're happy about it. And I think it really helps to bring him into the loop of being more comfortable, um, fundraising and, and the, the, the goals that we need to get to. Yeah. And that's a good point too, is finding ways for the spouse, the spouse who's supporting us through the journey, even though they're in the journey with us, but they don't have to diagnose us. It's finding a way for them to feel included more because, you know, as women, we get on social media and we'll connect with one another and women are really good about connecting with one another when we're going through something and we want that sense of community. And I think men kind of shun themselves off a little bit. And so I, that's a really good point is finding a way to help your spouse feel more part of your emotional journey of it all. And, and just in general, yeah, that's a really good point. That's a really, really good point. So is there anything you want to say to the community about, I guess, just being okay with whatever you feel like today or whatever you feel like that week. I think that especially in the last week, I've seen a lot of really important posts about, about not comparing your journey to anyone else's. And I was very guilty of doing that when we started our surgery and even our IUIs that I compared myself to everyone else's success and everyone else's loss. And it, it adds you know, a ton extra pressure that we already have. And learning and going into IVF, I've asked, you know, I, opinions on testing or fresh or frozen and, I have to realize that every single person is different and I'm going to wreck myself trying to, you know, analyze everyone's individual situation to see what the outcome for me could be mm-hmm. along with all of the emotions that I am, I'm trying to deal with and just learning to be okay with not being okay has been the best medicine for me is that feel the feelings, let them, let them out because you're poisoning yourselves by feeling like bottling them up is the right answer. Yeah. Thank you so much, Amanda. And please give us your Instagram handle where everyone can connect with you and get to know you a little bit better and also purchase some of the items from your Etsy shop. Um, we could do that right now. Perfect. Yeah. My Instagram is infertility underscore journey to baby C. And um, I do my best to connect with everyone that, that, that gets in touch with me on there. 
Um, and then our Etsy is the lemon and the bee. I believe you'll have that link for them on there. And we're we're small, we're local, Texas-based. Everything is handmade in home. And every step is just to get one step closer to IVF. Yes, absolutely. Jonica Baby C, there it is. You guys follow Amanda, get something from her Etsy shop. It's super, super cute items. And I have been saying for the longest, I'm going to get some soap because I really like the infusion of soaps that you guys do um, and that you guys create. And yeah, so yeah, you guys go ahead and hit that follow button under Amanda's uh, bio there. Don't forget to do that. And also, thank you so much again, Amanda, for coming on and giving us an update of where you guys are in your journey and giving us so much wisdom and insight here. Yeah, you're just so brave, girl. I love it. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. 